And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr, and suits so fine they made Sinatra look like a hobo. This your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order, you know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and listen to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. The Whistler. self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, we'll conclude the Burns and Allen show from 1947. Then Philip Clark is our host and keeper of the book as he tells us another sinister tale on the sealed book from 1945. On my side is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? What's up, Carl? Hey, what's happening in Hollywood? We have an exciting new daytime talk show that's going to debut on NBC this fall. I finally got a talk show? Yes, I was going to let you know. If you hadn't heard yet, now you know. I'll let you be a guest on it. Well, here's the thing. I know how much you love talking, so this really (laughs) would be your dream job. But if not you, I'm going to make you guess who it is. It's a female. She's okay. a singer, and she's been dabbling in television Kelly lately. Kelly Clarkson. Yes. Get out of here. I, I, I get kid the, you not. Get the heck out of here. Are I, you joking I, me no, right I'm now? I'm not joking I guessed you. it off the, called, from that. Are you kidding me? I swear to you, she is adding daytime talk show to her resume. She's going to replace Steve Harvey, and she's going to be on prior to the Ellen show. Really? And she's going to talk about, she's talking about this show as a weekend brunch party. That's how she talks about it. I so, want to be on her show. Don't you? Yeah. She's going to feature celebrity guests. Kelly, so are you, you out there listening? I guess right? it was you. Have us on. Right. Yeah. Okay, so she and her husband are... We're not are shy. The, no, no. She and her husband are the executive producers. Yeah. So I think she can make that decision. And she is, you know, a coach right now on NBC's The Voice for yeah, the 15th season. Yeah, she's super, season. super talented. She's super talented and super nice. Kelly, so have us on. I wish her all the luck, but I think it would be even better if she had us on her yeah, show. Yeah, I agree. All three of us, me, you, and Mike. That's a deal. That sounds good. <laughs> all right, thanks, Lisa. Sure. All right, uh, last time we began listening to the Burns and Allen show... Maybe there's a plot to murder George Burns. Let's go back to March 13, 1947, for the conclusion of the Burns and Allen Show. Hold still, George, while I put these false whiskers on you. Gracie, do you think this plan will work? Certainly. You've got to escape from the killers, and a disguise is the only way. Nobody will know you're disguised as an old man. What are you doing now? I'm drawing wrinkles on your face with my eyebrow pencil. There. Now, put on these spectacles and take this cane. Well, how do I look? Uh, Your own wife wouldn't know you. I'm not so sure. What did you say, Edgar? Uh, Edgar? See, your own wife wouldn't know you. Yeah, you didn't recognize me. Now, don't be afraid to open the door, dear. No one will recognize you. Good evening, Mr. Burns. Here's a special delivery letter for you. Uh, Mr. Postman, don't you, uh, notice something different about George? Yes. I've never seen him looking better. Better? He looks so much younger than usual. Goodbye, Mr. Postman. 
Goodbye, and remember, keep smiling. <laughs> Come on, get this disguise off me. I've got to think of a plan. The killers will be here any minute. Yeah, I've got it. I'll put a dress on you and disguise you as a woman. They'll see right through that. Not if you wear a slip under it. <laughs> well, nuts to that. I'm through with disguises. Let the killers come. I'll fight the man to man. I'm not afraid. <gasps> oh, darling. There they are. Shall I open the door, George? George? George, come out from under the divan. Half of you is still sticking out. It makes it a very tempting target. Hey, what goes on here? Why don't you open the door when a fella... What's George doing under the couch? Developing pictures? Now, he thought you were the killers, Bill. They're due any minute. Yeah, Bill. I've only got a few more minutes to live. My whole life is flashing before me. My childhood. The day I became 21. The day I went to war. Tell me, George, was it tough at Gettysburg? <laughs> That's right. Joke while the killers come closer and closer. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean this stuff about the killers is really on the level? Well, certainly it is. Well, why didn't you two say so? I'll save you, George. I'll set a trap for those guys. Wonderful. Now, Gracie, get me a long piece of string, a shotgun, and a kettle full of boiling water. I'll fix those killers. Oh, right away, Bill. How does the trap work, Bill? Well, as the killers turn the doorknob, yeah. it pulls the string, yeah. which sets off the shotgun. It shoots the killers. No, no. No, huh? Something else happens. Yeah. <laughs> now, here's what happens. It shoots a hole in the kettle and lets the boiling water run out. And it runs out of killers. No. Not yet. <laughs> it runs into a percolator, makes a pot of Maxwell House coffee. What happens to the killers? They smell the coffee and make a beeline to the kitchen to get some. They forget all about me. Sure, sure, they forget. I you blame that. them? No. Maxwell House is rich, delicious, and mellow That famous Maxwell House flavor, you know Is the result of careful selection and blending of premium Latin American coffees Radiant roasted to perfection It's no wonder more people buy and enjoy Maxwell House Than any other brand of coffee in the world Bill, are you just going to let the killer sit there and drink the coffee? Oh, no, no, George Oh, you of got course not. Yeah, I thought so You see, this is National oh. Donut Week We'll give him some donuts, too oh, Yeah, that is right <laughs> What a combination That's a good track Donuts <laughs> Donuts and Maxwell House coffee And a new partner for Gracie, because I'll be dead <laughs> Maxwell House is the very best in coffee-drinking pleasure Yet it costs but a fraction of a penny more per cup Than the cheapest coffee you can buy That's why Maxwell House is the choice of so many millions of Americans today They know today's coffee buy is Maxwell House The coffee that's always good to the last drop Bill, I don't think much of your plan But George Except for one little flaw, it's a wonderful plan. Yeah, but when the killers get through with the donuts and coffee, they'll murder me. That's the one little flaw. <laughs> Outside of that, you got some And the kettle and... Oh. George. What? What happened? The killers. The killers. Look, they're coming up the front walk. What'll I do? Where can I hide? I know. The closet. No. No, George, don't go in there. You're going to face these killers like a man. You're not going to hide in that closet. Why not? Because that's where I'm hiding. <laughs> My pal. Oh, they're almost to the door, George. Now they've stopped to look at the address. I'm going to hide in the cellar. Tell them I'm not here. Get rid of them. No, George, Bill, come back. Come. Oh, all right, I'll face them alone. I'll save George from those killers. Ah! 
Just the right place, Dave? Yeah. 360. Let's make this a quick one, Pete. Well, shouldn't take us long to get rid of one rat. Nah. Nah, it ain't like a termite job. The jobs I hate are them silverfish. (laughs) Well, ants and moths ain't no bargain either. Uh Uh-huh. What a lousy racket we're in, huh? You know, if I had it to do over again, I wouldn't be an exterminator. Ah, me neither. Hey, uh, when did this guy Burns call about the rat in his cellar? Oh, that was more than a month ago. Well, you know how the orders pile up. When I spoke to him today, he acted like he'd forgot all about it. Well, come on, come on, let's get it over with. You come in. Uh, we called you today, lady. We're here. Oh, yeah, to I work. know why you're here. Okay. Where's the rat? Uh... <laughs> He, he went to Florida. Florida? Doctor's orders. Hey, we got no time for jokes, lady. That rat's in the cellar, right? Yeah, how did you know? We make our living this way. Let's get busy, Dave. Oh, wait, wait. Please don't kill him. What's eating you, lady? I love that little rat. You love him? Hey, look, lady, you're kidding. No. No, well, ain't he a pest? Don't he sneak around at night and eat up all the food? Don't he cost you money? Well, yes, but I love the little rat. Look, look at it this way, lady. Don't it scare you when you see them little beady eyes looking at you? <laughs> and them, them little gray whiskers are twitching, huh? Little rat. Well, for Pete's sake, why? Stop talking like my mother. Huh? I love him because he's mine. I've nursed him when he was sick, shared his sorrows and joys. He's my boopsy boy. You, uh, you call him boopsy boy? Yes. Well, it's a nice name. Wonderful. You should have seen him in Vaudeville. Vaudeville? Uh-huh. <laughs> Sounds like an educated rat. No, no, he never got past the fourth grade. Hey, look. What do you make of this, Dave? Nuttier than a fruitcake. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, uh look, lady. <laughs> we won't hurt the little fella. Uh, no, we, we'll give him gas. He won't feel nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we'll pick him up by the tail and carry him out. This I gotta see. (laughs) Who's this guy just popped out of the closet? He's Booksy Boy's best friend. You and the rat are friends? Oh, sure. I've known the little guy for years. We wear each other's neckties. Another loony. Let's get out of here. No, nuts tonight. I'm here to kill that rat, and I'm going to go down in the basement and do it. Oh, no, no, please. Get away from that door. Hey, come on, Dave. Come on, we're getting out of here. What happened, Pete? Well, if you think those two are nuts, you ought to see the idiot they keep in the basement. <laughs> Dr. 
Join us again next week when we'll all be back. George Burns, Gracie Allen, Meredith Wilson and his orchestra. Yours truly, Bill Goodwin. The George Burns and Gracie Allen show is written by Paul Henning and Keith Fowler. Till next Thursday, good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House. Now stay tuned in for Noah Webster Says, which follows immediately over most of these stations. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. And that's the Burns and Allen Show from March 13, 1947, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen, sponsored by Maxwell House Coffee, is heard on NBC. Let's take a break, then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Sarah Knight Adamson. I'm the national film critic for the website sarahsbackstagepass.com. I'm a member of the Broadcast Film Critics Association in L.A. and a voting member of the Critics' Choice Film Awards. Coming up next, you'll hear a film review of a movie that's playing near you. First Man, it's rated PG-13 by Universal Pictures. It tells the story of the United States space program and the events leading up to the Apollo 11 mission to the moon in 1969. It stars Ryan Gosling as Neil Armstrong and Corey Stahl as Buzz Aldrin. The film is based on the book First Man, The Life of Neil A. Armstrong by James R. Hansen. The director is Damien Chazelle, the Oscar-winning director of La La Land. Let's take a listen. I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. Claire Foy plays Neil Armstrong's wife, Janet. Here's another clip. We set sail on this new sea because there is new knowledge to be gained. And we help decide whether this new ocean will be a sea of peace or a new terrifying theater of war. The bottom line, I'm way in. Three stars out of four. What I appreciated most about the film is the inner viewpoint of Neil Armstrong, his emotional family issues, and the courage it took to complete the mission. You'll experience firsthand the claustrophobic, nightmarish conditions that space travel entails. Revisiting the iconic American flag planting on the moon offers a beautiful, chilling, patriotic moment from our history. Check out all of my reviews and interviews on sarahsbackstagepass.com. See you next week. Do you love classic radio shows? The Jack Benny Program. X-1. Suspense. Now you can receive 10 classic radio shows on five CDs every month by joining the Classic Radio Club. Hi, I'm Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club so fans can receive the best of the best from my library each and every month. Join now and receive your first 10 classic radio shows on five CDs, a $39.95 value for only $4.99. Then every month, I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows and mail them to you on five CDs. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com to join and receive your first 10 classic radio shows on five CDs for only $4.99. That's ClassicRadioClub.com or call toll-free 888-642-6556. That's 888-642-6556. 
And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360. Lisa Wolf across the table from me and Mike Costella, kitty corner to us here, uh, working all the uh, buttons and dials and levers. Right, Mike? Sure. He's, that works. He's very talkative this week, isn't he, uh, over there? Well, he's sure. got no time to yes. talk. You, you take up all the talk time. There's nothing left. <laughs> you guys could jump in at any time. Oh, okay. I mean, it's we'll not start. like uh, well, we I'm not a dictator you. over here. You kind of are, yeah. Am I? Oh, gosh. I think you are. Oh, all right. Well, it's time now for the Sealed Book. This was a mystery and terror show. It only ran one season in 1945. It was produced and directed by Jock McGregor. I like that name. Jock. You don't hear anybody name. sounds French. J-O-C-K. Jock McGregor. Not Jock. He's a jock. He was a jock. Philip Clark was the mysterious silent keeper of the book, and he recorded all the secrets and mysteries of mankind through the ages. And then he would read about one, of course, and dramatize it. That was nice of him. It was. Yeah, it was uh, scripts were by Robert A. Arthur and David Kogan. They were also the team that brought us the mysterious traveler and the strange Dr. Weird. Right? All right. Well, we have an episode of the sealed book for you now from July 1st, 1945. It's called Death Rings Down the Curtain. This stars Philip Clark, part one of the sealed book. The sealed book. Once again, the keeper of the book has opened the ponderous door to the secret vault, wherein is kept the great sealed book, in which is recorded all the secrets and mysteries of mankind through the ages. Here are tales of every kind, tales of murder, of madness, of dark deeds, strange and terrible beyond all belief. Keeper of the book... I would know what tale we tell this time. Open the great book and let us read. Slowly, the great book opens. One by one, the keeper of the book turns the pages and stops. Ah, the strange story of a beautiful young actress who tried the most difficult role of her life when she impersonated death to win a prize of millions of dollars. A tale titled Death Rings Down the Curtain. And here is the tale, Death Rings Down the Curtain, as it is written in the pages of the sealed book. In the darkened bedroom of Martha Richards, a room where the blinds are always shut, young Dr. Smith is listening intently through his stethoscope to the laboring heart of his elderly, crotchety patient. Well, how much longer are you going to keep thumping me with that stethoscope, you old quack? I've finished examining you now. Well, don't just stand there without saying a word. How am I? How much time have I got left? Well, that's difficult to say. If you will avoid all excitement, I think I can say a year, possibly two. Hmm, a year, possibly two. Yes, but only if you do as I say. Now, there's no reason at all why you should insist on remaining in this darkened bedroom month after month. 
Well, it's been a year since you've been out of this room. Oh, you're going to start on that again. And what's more, Mrs. Richard, this living in utter seclusion is bad for your health. You should leave this room and see people. No, Doctor. No. I won't have my maid pushing me around in a wheelchair, the object of everyone's pity. I prefer to remain in this room and have people think of me as I was, not as I am. Oh, very well. Only I can't see why you refuse to have visitors. It'll give you some interest in life. It may surprise you to know, Doctor, that I'm expecting two visitors, though it isn't because of anything you've said. I'm sure it isn't. That's the way my heart is. I think it's about time I was drawing up a will. Before I do so, I want to get acquainted with my only living relatives, a niece and a nephew from my husband's side of the family. And they're the two visitors you're expecting? Yes. I haven't seen Gerald and Mildred since they were children. I'm very curious to see what they grew up to be like. I understand Mildred's an actress. An actress? You don't mean that Millie Richards is your niece, do you? Yes. Have you heard of her? Of course. Everyone has. She's one of Broadway's leading actresses. I saw her in a play recently and thought she was excellent. Mm. Probably drinks and smokes and has been married three or four times. And her brother Gerald is probably an heir to Will who's never worked a day in his life. Aren't you being a bit unfair, judging the two of them before you've even seen them? That remains to be seen, Doctor. Before I draw up my will, I intend to learn everything about them. I'll give them both every opportunity to prove they're worthy of part of the Richards' fortune. When do you expect them? They said they'd be here in time for dinner, which means they should be on their way here now. That's the first portion of the sealed book. More after these words. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now back to the sealed book. Oh, my head. How's the hangover, brother dear? Painful, I hope. Uh, what, uh, what am I doing in this car? Where are we going? Have you forgotten, darling? This is the day we were invited to visit Aunt Martha. Uh, you remember dear old Aunt Martha. She's the one with all that lovely money. Oh, save it, will you? I'm in no mood for your witticisms. Considering that I spent half of last night looking for you under nightclub tables, Gerald, you might be a little more grateful. Oh, my head. What a night. Yes, wasn't it, darling? Every place I went looking for you, they gave me IOUs you'd left behind. Exactly how much do you owe around town? $11,000. Millie, you've got to help me. If I don't pay up soon, I'll be in real trouble. What exactly am I supposed to do? You've got to lend me enough money to hold off my creditors. Lend you money? <laughs> you may not know it, brother dear, but I'm far deeper in debt than you are. But you were getting a thousand a week as the lead in Let Us Be Merry. How can you possibly be in debt? It's all very simple, darling. I was getting a thousand a week and spending two thousand a week. That makes everything just perfect. Both of us so deeply in debt, we probably don't dare go back to town. Perhaps after our visit to Aunt Martha, we will be able to go back to town. What do you mean by that? Why do you think Aunt Martha sent us an invitation to visit her? Your guess is as good as mine. Aunt Martha's getting on in years, and unless I'm very much mistaken, she's decided to drop a will. 
Naturally, before doing so, she wants to see what her only living relatives are like. Millie, do you really think she'll leave us some money? We play our cards right. All we've got to do is convince Aunt Martha that we deserve it. How are we going to do that? By showing her that we're lovable, simple, and unspoiled. Uh-huh. Daryl, do you remember the ancient role I played in I Dream of Love? Yes, of course. You weren't half bad. Half bad? Why, I was superb. The critics were mad about me. How dare you say I was only all half right, bad? All right, all right. You were superb. What about it? I think I should play that role for Aunt Martha. Just a simple, unsophisticated girl, untouched by success. Well, how am I supposed to behave? I'm no actor. You just play the strong, silent type, Gerald, and leave all the talking to me. And when the curtain rings down on my special performance for Aunt Martha, the Richard's fortune will be ours. <laughs> Martha. It's us, Aunt Martha. Oh, come in, Mildred. Gerald? Well, it's been quite a number of years since we've seen each other, hasn't it? Yes, it has been, Aunt Martha. I, I've been meaning to call on you for ever so long, Aunt Martha, but something always interfered at the last moment. Hmm. Well, what finally brought you here? Well, when you mentioned in your letter that you were ill and would like to see us, I simply couldn't stay away. I dropped everything to come here. I'm extremely grateful. Of course, the fact that you might possibly get an inheritance had nothing to do with it. Why, Aunt Martha, what a thing to say. Aunt Martha Millie doesn't need money. She's one of the finest actresses on Broadway. So I've heard, so I've heard. What do you do for a living, Gerald? Huh? huh? What do I do? Yes, Gerald, what do you do? Oh, uh, Gerald works for a Wall Street firm, Aunt Martha. Yes, he works so hard and they pay him so little. Unless I'm very much mistaken, Gerald was left quite a sizable inheritance by his father. Whatever became of that? The inheritance? Oh, that was uh, lost in poor investments, Aunt Martha. I see. Well, I'm afraid there's a good deal about you two that I don't know. I haven't done very much. I haven't gotten very far, Aunt Martha, but Millie has really been a credit to the family name. Everyone's heard of her. Hmm. Now, see here. I want you and Millie to be my guests for a week. Frankly, I want to know what you're like before I draw up my will. Of course, Aunt Martha. And I do hope that you'll take care of yourself so that you'll live for years and years. Uh, thank you, Millie. Now, I'm afraid I must ask you two to leave as I'm a bit tired. Oh, certainly, Aunt Martha. If we can do anything for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Thank you. I'm glad we're out of there. The old lady stares at a person as though she can see through him. The room's so dark, it was difficult to see her. You can tell she won't last much longer. Yes, but the main point is, did she fall for our little act? If you ask me, your performance hardly swept her off her feet. Nonsense. I played my role perfectly. Give me a week, darling, and you and I will be the sole heirs to the Richards' fortune. For a week, Lily and Gerald have been living with their Aunt Martha trying to convince her that they are worthy of inheriting her great fortune. And Millie, sure that they have succeeded, is waiting for Gerald to return to tell him the news. Hello, Millie. Gerald, where have you been all night? I've looked everywhere for you. I spent the night in town. What? Well, you've been drinking. So what? Oh, you fool. What if Aunt Martha were to hear about it, just when everything's working out perfectly? So everything's working out perfectly, is it? Yes. I told you, if you'd leave her to me, it would. Night, Aunt Martha made a phone call to New York. 
Well, it was her attorney she was calling, and he's coming here tonight to draw up her will. You don't say. Well, well. Well, you don't sound very enthusiastic at being named one of Aunt Martha's heirs. My dear Millie, it may interest you to know that the greatest performance of your career has gone for nothing. What do you mean? You may be able to sweep a Broadway audience off its feet, but not Aunt Martha. Oh, why, I tell you, she believes in me utterly. Oh, does she? Yes, she does. It may come as quite a shock, but while Aunt Martha was listening so devotedly to your every word, she had a private investigator in New York at work investigating. A private investigator? You mean Aunt Martha's been checking on our past? That's the general information I received. That double-crossing old hag. Yes, and no doubt you can guess what she'll do when she learns that I happened a job on Wall Street and that I gambled my inheritance away. And what do you think she'll say when she hears you were named as correspondent in three divorce actions and were involved in the Wainwright scandal? Oh, I'd like to scratch out those staring eyes of hers, playing with me like a cat with a mouse. Well, the game's up. We may as well go up to our rooms and pack. What? Walk out on a four million dollar inheritance? I should say not. There's something we can do about it. Yes, well, what, for example? I don't know yet. Let me think. I won't go back to the city beaten, deeply in debt. Martha may think she's clever, but she won't beat me. Before she cuts me out of her will, I'll... Yes. What are you planning, Millie? Gerald, if we play our cards right, you and I will inherit the entire Richard's fortune in spite of anything Aunt Martha can do. Now, listen, listen to what I'm doing. As Millie explained her idea, Gerald's face became white. But in spite of his fears, he finally agreed to do exactly as Billy asked. Then in the hours that followed, Millie locked herself in her room and practiced her aunt's signature over and over until she was finally satisfied. And that evening, as the clock struck eight, Millie and Gerald suddenly stole down the hall to the door of their aunt's room. Millie, let's not go through with this. It's madness. Quiet, you fool. It's the only way out. But what if we're caught? You know what that'd mean. I tell you, we won't be caught if you do exactly as I say. I've everything worked out perfectly to the last detail. Get hold of yourself. I'm going to knock. You know exactly what you're to do. Yes. Good evening. Good evening, Aunt Martha. I, uh, I hope you're feeling well, Aunt Martha. Oh, Mildred, Gerald, eh? Come in. Thank you. It's, uh... It's quite dark in here, Aunt Martha. Would you like me to turn on a light? No, no, Gerald, that is necessary. I'm quite used to being in the dark. Of course. How are you feeling this evening? Much better, thank you. Gerald, perhaps you ought to fix Aunt Martha's pillows. She doesn't seem very comfortable. No, 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 you needn't bother. I'm quite comfortable, I assure you. Uh, Gerald, fix Aunt Martha's pillows. I can't pillow. go through with it, do you hear? I can't. You fool, I should have known better than to count on you. Huh? Mildred, what's Gerald talking about? Mm, nothing important, Aunt Martha. Here, uh, let me fix this pillow I for you. I tell you, I don't want Millie it. Millie, don't. Mildred, I... <laughs> Millie, don't. She's suffocating. Quiet, do you hear? You haven't got the nerve to go through with it. I have. There. I think that's enough to bring on a heart attack. Oh. How do you feel, Aunt Martha? You're nothing but a murderess. Oh, my heart I... Is she... Is she dead? Yes, Gerald, and not from suffocation, but from a heart attack. I told you it would work out. I had nothing to do with it, do you hear? You murdered her, I didn't. In the eyes of the law, Gerald, you're my accomplice. Nothing you might say can make it otherwise. We haven't time to discuss that. 
Aunt Martha's attorney should be here in an hour. Now, will you do as I say, or won't you? I have no choice in the matter. No, you're acting sensibly. Exactly as I say, and we can't fail. The car just stopped in front of the house. It must be Mr. Jordan, Aunt Martha's attorney. Hmm, certainly is punctual. Are you ready? I need a little more shading here under my eyes. Hurry, Millie. He'll be up here in a minute. Gerald, I've never been late for a curtain yet, and I won't be late for this one. There. Now, help me on with Aunt Martha's bedrobe. All right. There. Now, how do I look, Gerald? You look exactly like Aunt Martha. If I didn't know her body was in that closet, I'd swear you were her. In the dim light of this room, no one can help but take me for Aunt Martha. Yes, but what about your voice and the things you may have to know? Just listen to this. Don't be ridiculous, Gerald. As mistress of this house, I answer only those questions which I wish to answer, and I assure you I shall not be tripped up. Does that convince you? Yes, I'm convinced. Really quick, get in bed. I hear someone coming. All right, Gerald. And please stop shaking. I tell you, we can't fail. Give the greatest performance of my career. Swiftly, Millie, made up to look like her dead Aunt Martha, slips into her aunt's bed, and then, as Gerald lights a cigarette with trembling fingers, someone knocks at the door. Come in. Good evening, Mr. Jordan. Come in, won't you? Well, well, Mrs. Richards, how are you? Why, bless me, it's been over a year since I've seen you. Really, Mr. Jordan? Has it been that long? Certainly has. Uh, how are your eyes? Still traveling you? My eyes? Oh, they're much better, thank you. Well, that's fine, Mrs. Richards. Oh, oh, by the way, this is Mr. Wilson, my secretary. How do you do? I'm happy to meet you, Mrs. Richards. I don't think, Mr. Jordan, you've met my nephew, Gerald Richards. Gerald, this is my attorney, Mr. Jordan. Hello. How do you do, Mr. Richards? Uh, Mr. Jordan, I want to have a will drawn up and signed tonight. Tonight? Surely you can't be serious, Mrs. Richards. After all, your your vast holdings require a will that will take you days to draw up. Oh, nonsense. I'll have none of your involved 40-page wills. All I want is a simple will dividing my entire estate equally between my nephew Gerald and my niece Mildred. But, Mrs. Richards, there are so many other details that enter into the matter of a will. Uh, for example, we must consider hey, Mr. Jordan, that, uh... will you do as I say? Or must I get another attorney to draw up my will? Very well, Mrs. Richards. Mr. Wilson, please draw up a will dividing the entire estate between Gerald Richards and Mildred Jones. Mildred Richards. She's Gerald's sister. Yes, thank you. I'll take care of it at once, Mr. Jordan. You mean, Mr. Jordan, you've never heard of my niece, Mildred Richards, the Broadway actress? Oh, you mean Millie Richards. Yes, of course. I've seen her in quite a number of plays. Oh, really? What do you think of her? Well, frankly, Mrs. Richards, I... I think your niece has a tendency to overact. Oh, you do, do you? Uh, yes. Uh, take this last play she was in, um, uh, Let Us Be Merry. Now, I think she played it far too hard for comedy. I'd have preferred to see an actress like, uh, say, Joan Walker play that role. Well, that's only your opinion. I'd like you to hear what the critics had to say about her performance. Uh, Gerald, will you please hand me Millie's scrapbook? You'll find it on my desk there. Oh, really, Martha? Don't you uh, think you ought to... Please, Gerald... Very well. I can understand criticism, and it's justified, Mr. Jordan, but it seems to me you're going against my niece's huge public. Here's Millie's scrapbook, Aunt Martha. Uh, thank you, Gerald. Ah, uh, just a moment, Mr. Jordan, and I'll read you what the critics had to say about Millie's performance and let us be merry. Yes, I'd like to hear it. Ah, here we are. 
This is what Martin Walters, dramatic critic of the evening Sentinel, had to say. Rarely in 30 years of theater going has this reviewer seen such a fine flair for comedy as was displayed last night by Millie Richards in her new hit, Let Us Be Merry, and that, Mr. Jordan, is the opinion of one of the finest critics in the country. Well, I, I may be wrong, Mrs. Richards. Uh, naturally, I was only venturing a personal opinion when I said... I have Mrs. Richards well prepared, Mr. Jordan. I use the standard form. Oh, yes. Let's have a look at it. Hmm. Yes, it seems to be all in order. You're sure that will, Mr. Jordan, will stand up in court? Oh, yes. Uh, only you'll be leaving a good many um, unsettled problems to your ears. Yeah, it's quite all right. I'm sure they're capable of taking care of them. The secretary can be one of the witnesses, can't he? Yes, Mrs. Richards, and uh, your maid can be the other. Uh, very well. Now, I'll sign first. There you are. That's fine. I'll have the two witnesses sign it, and everything will be in order. Good. I'm quite happy now that it's all settled. You look tired, Aunt Martha. I am, Gerald. I am. Are you finished, Mr. Jordan? Yes, Miss Richards. Good. Mary will show you and Mr. Wilson to your rooms. I'll see you in the morning. Good night. Good night, Mrs. Richards. Good night. They're gone. Well, Gerald, I told you it would work. We aren't through this yet. Don't be a fool. The money is as good as ours. All we have to do is put Aunt Martha back in this bed. Tomorrow morning, her maid will discover her dead body, and you and I will inherit everything. The next morning, things went exactly as Millie had foreseen. The maid found the old woman's body in her bed as if she had died in her sleep, and Dr. Smith was summoned at once. After a brief examination, he was satisfied that Martha Richards' tired heart had simply given out during the night. I can't believe it somehow, Doctor. And Martha was such a dear. It's impossible to believe she's really dead. You mustn't feel too badly, Miss Richards. All over quite quickly, I'm sure. Your aunt's heart simply gave out. She seemed so strong and well when we left her last night. When she and I were arguing, it was just like old times. You mean you and Mrs. Richards had an argument last night? Oh, not really an argument, Doctor. They were just debating over my sister's ability as an actress. Yes, that's all it was. I I hope you won't mind, Miss Richards, but uh, when I told your aunt, I thought that you overplayed your roles. Oh, that's quite all right, Mr. Jordan. What did she say to that? (laughs) She almost hit the ceiling when I criticized you. She claimed that you're the finest actress in the country. Oh, Aunt Martha was always a dear. Strange that she should have said that, considering that she never saw Miss Richards perform. Well, maybe she hadn't, but she pulled out a book of clippings about Miss Richards and read me what one of the critics had said about her niece. She did what? She read me what one of the critics had said about Miss Richards' ability as an actress. You see. Jordan... I think your criticism of Miss Richards that she overplays is justified. I beg your pardon. I never overplayed a role in my life. I'm afraid, Miss Richards, that you overplayed one last night. Last night? What do you mean? Your Aunt Martha was an extremely proud woman. She couldn't stand to be pitied. Exactly a year ago, she became blind. (gasps) When she did, she refused to leave her room and allow people to know she'd lost her sight. Only two people knew her blindness, her maid and myself. But if Mrs. Richards was blind, how could she have read me that notice last night? She didn't, Mr. Jordan. An egomaniac actress disguised as Mrs. Richards read her own notice to you. Isn't that so, Miss Richards? Go ahead, tell him, Millie. You're so clever. You're the greatest actress in the world. You had everything worked out to the smallest detail. Be quiet, you fool. They can 
prove a thing. No jury in the world would believe them. I'm too great an actress to be convicted of murder. Do you hear? I'll give a performance that'll sweep a jury off its feet. They'll never forgive me. They'll never convict me. And that is the story. As it is written in the sealed book. Of how an actress tried to impersonate death. And failed. Millie Richards had one more opportunity to act upon the witness stand at her trial. But again, she failed. For the jury found her and her brother Gerald guilty and sentenced them to life imprisonment. Strange are the secrets of the human heart and the ways of fate in trapping men and women in their own evil schemes. Be sure to be with us again next time when the sound of the great gong heralds another strange and exciting tale from The Sealed Book. The Sealed Book, written by Bob Arthur and David Cogan, is produced and directed by Doc McGregor. And that's The Sealed Book from July 1st, 1945, Death Rings Down the Curtain, starring Philip Clark, and that was heard over Mutual. Let's take a break. Then it's more of Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hey, fans of Classic Radio, Carl Amari here. I've created a free app just for you. Get 10 Classic Radio shows free in the Classic Radio Shows app. Plus, there are many more shows available for in-app purchase. You can get your free Classic Radio Shows app in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. The easiest way to get your free app is to log on to Hollywood360radio.com and scroll down to the Classic Radio Shows app banner and click either the Google link or the Apple link. Don't miss out. Get your free Classic Radio Shows app today. Do you love classic radio shows? Now you can receive 10 classic radio shows on five CDs every month by joining the Classic Radio Club. Hi, I'm Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club so fans can receive the best of the best from my library each and every month. Join now and receive your first 10 classic radio shows on five CDs, a $39.95 value for only $4.99. Then every month, I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows and mail them to you on five cds every show will be superior sound quality and you'll never receive a duplicate show log on to classicradioclub.com to join and receive your first 10 classic radio shows on five cds for only 4.99 that's classicradioclub.com or call toll free 888-642-6556 that's 888-642-6556 now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next week, it's Escape, My Favorite Husband, Murder at Midnight, Inner Sanctum Mystery, The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet, and Mystery in the Air. From my team here at Hollywood 360, thank you all very much for tuning in. Stay safe. We'll see you next time.